Tonight's scripture reading will come from the third chapter of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from, but that, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that, that depends on faith, that I may know him and the, power of his and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that, I, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There is something really exciting about being a Christian. It's really exciting because Christianity is not just something that we do. It's something that we are. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being a child of God, it's a life-changing and attitude-altering experience. When I was a kid, we used to sing in Bible class, He is my everything, He is my all. And there's a verse in that song that goes, some folks may ask me, who is this Jesus who you talk about every day? And I remember thinking as a kid, I, I don't talk about Jesus every day. That's not something that's, that's familiar to me, but okay, I'll sing the song even though that's not what I'm doing. When we really understand what it means that Jesus is our everything, it is life-changing it is thrilling to contemplate. Open your Bibles to Philippians 3 and look at verses 1 through 11 this evening. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. The entire lesson is going to come out of this particular passage. And I want you to stop and think about what Paul had been through in his life. When Paul went to Philippi in Acts 16, he cast an unclean spirit out of a servant girl who had been following him for a number of days. And the people who were making a profit off of her got angry and they trumped up some charges and they had Paul and Silas arrested, beaten, and thrown in prison. And in Acts 16, verse 25, you remember what Paul and Silas were doing at midnight? You remember? Paul and Silas, regardless of what had happened to them and how unfair they had been treated, unfairly they had been treated, Paul and Silas were singing in the dungeon at midnight, Acts 16, verse 25. That was in Philippi. And now Paul has gone elsewhere and he's in prison again. Philippians is one of the prison epistles that we read in the New Testament. Paul is under house arrest for something that he had not done wrong, just for knowing Jesus and just for proclaiming him. And now Paul is writing to his brethren back in Philippi, and I wonder if it went across his mind, the experiences that he had had in Philippi. And so when you get to Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11, it's almost as if Paul just starts singing, he is my everything, he is my all. Because for Paul, when you think about what Jesus meant to Paul, in Jesus, Paul said, I can find all the grace I need and more. Romans chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 
Abounding grace is found in Jesus Christ. All the grace you need to forgive all of your sins and even more is available in Jesus Christ. But not only that, when Paul thought about who Jesus is and he thought about what Jesus means to him, he said, in Christ all the strength I need and more is available. And he prayed for his brethren in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 11, that they would be strengthened with might by the strength that's found in Jesus Christ, by the power that's available to us. And then when you think about what Paul said Jesus meant to him, he said, in Jesus Christ, all the provision I need and more is available in him. Philippians 4.19, even though he was in prison and he was doing without some things, he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in grace and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 19. We're living in a time when a lot of people are asking, what is life really all about? What really is meaningful? What really is important? And as the news some days is worse and worse, a lot of people need to go back to who Jesus is and we need to acknowledge In Jesus Christ, all the grace I need is available and more. In Jesus Christ, all the strength I need to make it through this life, to be successful in God's eyes, that strength is available. And in Jesus Christ, all the provision I need, everything I need to please God and serve Him, He really is our everything. If Jesus really is my everything, if he really is my all, there are five attitudes that will be displayed in my life and yours. If he really is our everything, if he really is our all, there are five attitudes that really ought to characterize every one of us, and they're found in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. So as we read about how Paul viewed Christ, catch the attitudes, listen to the heart of a man who sings, he really is my everything. In the first place this evening, as you look at Philippians 3 verses 1 through 11, I want you to focus on just verse 1 and read with me if you would. Paul says, finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. In that one verse there's an attitude. If Jesus really is my everything, joy ought to characterize my heart and my life. And as you look at the verse, notice it begins with a transition, that word finally. You know, preachers have made jokes for years about that particular verse because it's right in the middle of the book. I mean, we still got two chapters to go, but Paul as a preacher says, finally, like he's saying in conclusion, But really what he's doing is he's making a transition. He's saying, I've been talking about humility and I've been talking about what it means to have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2 verse 5, and now I'm transitioning to talking about how Jesus is our everything. And I want you to know, brethren, as we talk about this new subject, Paul says, we ought to rejoice and we ought to rejoice in the Lord. You see that? Rejoice in the Lord. It's not just the circumstances in which you find yourself. It's not just the fact that everything is peaceful and calm and you're able to go to the store without a mask on. That's what makes you rejoice. No, our joy is in the Lord. 
It's in who he is and what he means to us and the fact that there is grace to be found and strength to be found and provision to be found in Jesus Christ. You see, when we rejoice in the Lord, we can be in a Roman prison unfairly and we can still sing praises to God. When we rejoice in the Lord, we can be under house arrest in Rome and we can still exhort our brethren to continue to rejoice in the Lord because we know he is our everything. Do you have a sense of joy and a sense of peace in the midst of the world that we're living in because of the fact that you belong to Jesus and because of the fact that he's part of your life? An attitude of joy. Notice as you look at verse 1, Paul says, for me to write these things to you again, it's no trouble. It's not a bother. I suspect that if you ever sat down to have lunch with the Apostle Paul, Jesus would come up. I suspect that in the course of the conversation, he'd start talking about salvation. He'd start talking about how Jesus is his everything and how that's all he wants to be. He wants to be more like Jesus and Paul is saying, this is not a bother. For you, to, for you to hear this again from me, I never get tired of telling this story. I never get tired of talking about him. It's no trouble, not a bother. But then notice as well at the end of verse 1, he talks about a prevention. For you, it is safe. What does he mean by that at the end of verse 1? For you it's safe. For me to tell you to rejoice in the Lord, I'll tell you what he means. In Philippi, 2,000 years ago, just like in Katy in the present day, when you get up in the morning and you turn on the news, you never know what kind of garbage is going to be coming our way. You never know what kind of terrible circumstances you'll find yourself in. It's safe for you as a matter of prevention in dealing with the constant difficulties of life. It's safe for you to find your joy and locate it exclusively in Jesus and who he is because he's our everything. And because of that, it may not change my circumstances, but it will change me when I truly rejoice in the Lord. Joy. What else as you think about attitudes that characterize somebody who rejoices in the Lord? Well, look at Philippians 3, verses 2 and 3. An attitude of discernment. If he really is my everything, then I need to use some godly wisdom and discernment. Don't just believe everything you hear. Don't just buy everything that somebody's trying to sell you. If Jesus is really all the world to me, I have to be discerning about what I choose to buy into, what I choose to believe. And notice what Paul does in Philippians 3 verse 2. He uses a phrase in the Greek language that means to beware or to look out or to watch out. And he uses it three times in verse 2. You see that? Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for the mutilation. Be careful, brethren. If Jesus really is your everything, then I want you to be careful because there are some people and there's some ideas that you need to stay clear of. Notice the list there in verse 2. Watch out for dogs. I like dogs. We own a dog. But in the first century, writing to predominantly Jewish Christians, dogs had to do with wild dogs in the streets that ran in packs. And they were filthy and they were 
carriers of disease, and they were regarded by many as unclean. And so when you think about when Paul says, beware of dogs, he's saying, there are some people of unworthy character out there, and they may look like, and they may put on a show like they're living a godly Christian life. They may do that for a while, but be careful. He goes on to say, watch out for evildoers, evil workers, some translations say. Not just ungodly character, but ungodly conduct. These are people who, when you examine their lives, are not living up to the word. They're not living in accordance with what's been taught in the gospel. Beware of the mutilation. This is a reference to circumcision. In the first century, it was a major problem in the church because Jewish Christians got the idea that we have to force some Gentiles to be circumcised. To be baptized is okay, but you also have to do this. You also have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so when he mentions the mutilation, that's what he's got in mind. People that are teaching things that are not required by the gospel. If Jesus really is our everything, brethren, we are to watch out for people of ungodly character. We are to watch out for ungodly conduct. We are to make sure that we are not binding on others that which God has not bound because he's our everything. But then Paul turns it around in verse 3 and he says, remember who we are. We are the circumcision. We're the ones who belong to spiritual Israel. By the way, that idea of spiritual Israel is found throughout the New Testament where the church belongs to God and it belongs to that covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And this is one of those verses that indicates that that's true. When Paul says, we are the circumcision, we are the true circumcision, what he's saying is it's not about what your flesh looks like, it's about these three things. If we truly belong to that covenant that God made with Abraham, then we are those who worship by the Spirit of God. It's about the way we worship and approach God. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. God has given His Spirit to those who obey Him, the Scripture teaches. Those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 24. The church, the people who worship by the Spirit of God, they are the circumcision. And not only that, those who boast only in Jesus Christ. If anyone boasts, let him boast in the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. In Galatians 5 and verse, uh, 5, 6 and verse 14, Paul says, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast in anything but the cross. We are to boast only in the Lord, only in Jesus. And we are to put no confidence in the flesh. He's going to explain what he means by that presently. But there is an attitude of discernment. Just because somebody that I like or somebody that I, that I revere or somebody that I hold up in my mind, just because they say something that sounds true, doesn't necessarily mean it's so. We, because we love Jesus and because he is our everything, are to cultivate an attitude of discernment. He really does mean that much to us. And there are some things we must reject because we belong to him. Next, as you look at this passage in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11, the third attitude that characterizes those who really think that Jesus is their everything, humility. You have this list 
that Paul makes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. And the list is about himself. And what Paul's doing is he's identifying all the parts of his life that people around him would think were worthwhile, that were notable, that were important. And so notice what he says. He says, all of my boasting about everything in my life, it's worthless and it's counterproductive. It's not going to help me in any way, shape, or form. Well, what kinds of things might you boast about, Paul, as you look at Philippians 3, verse 4? Paul, all through his life, had observed the right rituals. God had said every Jewish mom and dad is to circumcise their son on the eighth day after they're born. And of course, Paul mentions, I was circumcised. That's something that the mutilation is all talking about. I participated in the right ritual. That's why he brings that up. But not only that, Paul goes on to say, I'm part of a blessed nation. I am of the stock of Israel. What nation has ever been blessed more than Israel was blessed? I'm from them. Not only that, Paul says, I'm part of a great family. We're part of the tribe of Benjamin, Paul says. Incidentally, if you know much about the history of the tribe of Benjamin, 1 Kings 12, 21, the very first king of Israel came from Benjamin, Saul. He didn't turn out so well, but there's still a family heritage and a pride that was involved in being from Benjamin's tribe. What else do you have to boast about, Paul? I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee concerning the law. I had high standards of conduct. As a Jewish man, one who was trying to keep the law, there was nobody who had higher standards than me. It's not like I was a compromiser or somehow avoiding difficult truths and difficult ideas. High standards. What else do you have to boast about, Paul? Well, I was enthusiastic, and it was obvious concerning zeal persecuting the church, he says. And not only was he enthusiastic, but he had admirable morality. If people examine Paul's life and examine the Old Testament scriptures, they would find nothing to accuse Paul of. And so Paul is saying, all these things I might have boasted about and all these things that people think are important, I'm counting these things as worthless for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. That's humility reading a book about World War II right now, and it was funny. After Japan, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, what happened just a few days later was the president removed the admirable, admiral who was, who was overseeing uh, Pearl Harbor on that day. And instead, he sent Chester Nimitz to go be the commander-in-chief of the Pacific Fleet. And Chester Nimitz was in Washington, D.C. at the time, and he went home to his wife and told her, I've got to pack my bags, I'm heading for Hawaii. And his wife said, well, this is great. This is what you've always wanted. Isn't this what you've dreamed of? And Chester Nimitz said, darling, my entire fleet is at the bottom of the sea right now. Everything I might boast about, everything that I might think was worthwhile, it's, it's been sunk. You know, sometimes when we look at our lives and we examine our lives in light of Scripture and in light of who Jesus is, we can look at things like our rituals and our nation and our family and our heritage and the kind of zeal that we've had, and we say, all these things, when compared to Christ, are worthless. 
humility. Next, as you look at Philippians 3, look at verses 7 and 8. If Jesus is our everything, then an attitude that will be seen in us is an attitude of focus. Focus on what's really important. In Philippians 3 verse 7, Paul says, What things were gained to me, these things he's just mentioned, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. What does he mean by that? Everything that I would have held on to, I've given up willingly for Jesus. What he means is Jesus is our supreme attraction. You ever go to an amusement park, and especially if you've got kids, on the way to the amusement park, the kids are talking about which ride they're going to ride first because you've only got so much time in the park, right? And we're going to have to stand in line for a long time. And so the question always is, which ride are we going to head for first? When the gates open, where are we going? What's the supreme attraction? What's the thing we're going to go buy all the other roller coasters and all the other rides to ride this one? Because this is the one we really want to make sure we ride. What Paul is saying is, I will bypass everything else in my life. Everything that people might think was worthwhile about me, all of that I will bypass so that I may know Jesus. And notice in these verses, it is a voluntary decision that he makes. You need to make that decision. What are you hanging on to in your life? What are you thinking is really important? Is it the fact that you're really smart and really intelligent? Is it the fact that you've got a great job and a great family? What are you hanging on to that you think just really makes your life worthwhile? Is it the fact that, that you are thought highly of by people around you? What is it? Paul says, I'm focused on Jesus and I'm passing everything else up in my life so that I can be close to him because he's my everything. There is nothing else that I want and nothing else I'm going to hang on to. It's a voluntary decision and it is a calculated decision because Paul's looked at all this other stuff, his heritage and his zeal and his enthusiasm for the law. He's looked at all that stuff and he's weighted in the balances against Jesus Christ and the strength and the blessing and the provision and the grace that he provides. And Paul says, I want Christ. I'll give everything else up. Not only is it a calculated decision, it is a continual decision. I have counted all things but loss. I continue to do so. In our lives, is Jesus really our focus? When you post on social media, do people get a sense from you that he is your everything? When you have conversations with others, Whatever the topic is, do people come away with a sense that Jesus really is all the world to you? Is there a sense of focus on him and what he means in your interactions with others? Number five, if Jesus really is our everything, the attitude that will be displayed is passion. Look at Philippians 3, verses 9 through 11. Passion. What are you passionate about? In Philippians 3 verse 9, Paul was passionate about salvation. 
He says in Philippians 3 verse 9, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He's passionate about salvation. One of my very favorite verses in the songbook is found in the song, I Love to Tell the Story. I love to tell the story for those who know it best are hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. The people who know the story of salvation in Christ still want to hear that story told. They're passionate about it. They love it. And they can't get enough of lessons and sermons and stories about who Jesus is. They're passionate about salvation. Look in verse 10. What's Paul passionate about? He's passionate about sanctification. This process that's going on in our lives as we follow Jesus that's making us more like him. And if you look at verse 10, he says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his death. In every way, shape, and form, Paul wanted to become more like Jesus. He was passionate about that. And so no matter what his circumstances were, Paul was looking for opportunities. How can this circumstance make me more holy? What was Paul passionate about? Because Jesus was his everything, about glorification. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, Philippians 3 verse 11. Paul was looking into the future and he was talking about and thinking about how one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to take this old broken down body and he's going to change it into a glorious body, conform to a body like the one that Jesus has. Philippians 3 verses 20 and 21. Paul loved to talk about that. He was enthusiastic about that. As you look at this text, as you look at this passage, it's exciting to be a Christian. And if I don't find that to be true in my life, part of the problem is that maybe I'm trying to hang on to something else. My comfort, my convenience, my status, my praise. I'm trying to hang on to those things, and I haven't counted those things as loss that I might gain Jesus Christ. Is he your everything this evening. Have you come to Christ in submissive faith, believing that he is God's son, confessing his name, repenting of your sin, being baptized for the remission of your sins? If you need to respond and make that decision this evening, or if you want to respond and, and, and ask for prayers, please use this time. Make your way forward as together we stand and as we sing.